In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Jesus says, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. These things, Jesus says, are as forcefully challenging to us as these words. We live in a society saturated with precisely the opposite message. It says to us continually, your life, your value, consists in the abundance of your possessions. The more you have, the more valuable you are. The higher your net worth, the more worthwhile you are. We tend to admire those who have an abundance of things, and we foster a special place in our cultural pantheon for the hero of the rags-to-riches story. Conversely, we tend to look askance at the poor, if we think of them at all. Surely we say to ourselves, their poverty is their own fault. And moreover, we're constantly bombarded with enticements to covetousness, from the latest beguilingly photographed ad in your Instagram feed, to the end cap at the grocery store, which I'm a particular sucker for. Nearly everything in our culture is oriented toward nourishing a desire to have more. The slogan of Walmart is, save money, live better. If we were to adapt this to more clearly state a basic assumption of our society, we might say that living better means having more money to spend on things. The good life consists in the abundance of possessions, in securing more than we need. Our favored God is named Mammon the god of earthly security, as Rusty Reno calls him. Of course, American society is not alone in rendering service to mammon. Neither is capitalism. Social reforms cannot cure this disease. Covetousness is a spiritual condition, a matter of the heart. Every human since the fall has been subject to this propensity, This desire to have more covetousness is but one of the many vices that characterize unredeemed human nature, what St. Paul calls the old man in our epistle, the old man characterized by disordered desire, by the inclination to, among other things, immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and our favored covetousness, which is idolatry. Covetousness is a feature of the damage of sin. It is a matter of the hearts of disordered desire. What more shall we say about it, about covetousness? And why does St. Paul call it idolatry? The Greek word for covetousness used by St. Luke and St. Paul in our passages names the desire to have more. It is closely synonymous with avarice, which comes from a Latin word meaning just to crave. 
greed and cupidity mean much the same thing. They name a boundless desire to have more. Unlike gluttony or lust, it does not have a specific object of desire. It simply wants more. It's best pictured as a gaping mouth. In the 6th century, Boethius described it thus, Wild greed swallows what it has sought and still gapes wide for more. Or to use the language of the parable in our gospel lesson, greed never finds its barns big enough. What it has is never enough. It always wants to build greater barns. Or again, as someone says, avarice aches ever for more. But why does St. Paul equate covetousness with idolatry? How is this gaping mouth equivalent to bowing down before an idol? It's because the desire for more can master us. It can lead us to order our whole lives around its demands, serving it as it were a god. Covetousness is idolatry because it sets another god, the one named Mammon, that god of earthly security, before the Lord our God, the one Lord we are to love with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength. And as Jesus says, no man can serve two masters. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. And the thing about covetousness is that it is devilishly tricksy and tenacious. Even the monk who renounces all of his earthly possessions to serve God alone in the desert is not freed from its temptations. Indeed, greed can often mask itself as a virtue, appearing in the guise of prudence or frugality, but still enticing us to seek our security in earthly things above all else, to serve mammon. Jesus' parable shows something of what I mean. The rich man in the parable is not obviously covetous. Indeed, at first he appears to be positively virtuous, a model of good stewardship, a good businessman. He is a successful farmer, blessed with a fruitful harvest of grain, no doubt because of his foresight and his good planning and his hard work. And the abundance of that harvest is so great that it exceeds his storage facilities. Wouldn't we all want the same? And so he decides what takes to be an eminently reasonable course of action. He doesn't have enough room to store all his crops, so he decides to make more room, to build greater barns, to store all the excess grain. What could be more reasonable than that? What he does seems so obviously right that we are shocked to hear God call him a fool. It seemed that this man was the exemplar of practical wisdom, but God tells him that he is without wisdom. Why? The rich man is foolish because he thought only of securing his earthly goods. And he failed to see both that he was not capable of doing this and that he had nothing 
he had not received in the first place. He spoke of his goods, and indeed of his own soul, as if they belonged securely to him, as if he could count on their being there for him in the future, not seeing that neither his goods nor yet his soul belonged finally to him, that he had no control to them, over them, but that they belonged finally to God. He did not remember that, as the scripture says, we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Again, the rich man was foolish because he laid up treasure for himself and was not rich toward God. He spent all his energies and thought on trying to secure a future he could not secure. He gave no thought to God, who alone can secure that future. How like that foolish man I am. What is the cure for this covetousness? What is the antidote to avarice? Jesus, with the diagnosis, suggests the cure. He says at the end of the parable, Thus is the one storing up treasure for himself and not being rich toward God. So if coveting is storing up treasure for myself, then not coveting is being rich toward God. That's the cure. Well, very well, but how are we to be rich towards God? What does that mean? Jesus gives us an answer in the passage which immediately follows our gospel, and it's worth quoting at some length. Jesus goes on to say to his disciples, Therefore take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, neither for the body what ye shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you, by taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If God so clothe then the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of them. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that ye have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That is the prescription Jesus gives for covetousness. There's three things I want to say about it. First, Jesus teaches us to trust that God will give us what we need. 
He points us to the birds of the air and the lilies of the field and shows us how God provides lavishly for them and reminds us how much more valuable to God we are than birds or grass. He teaches us, as St. Paul writes, not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. One concrete way to do this is to keep Sabbath, to actually stop working for at least one day a week, trusting that God will be enough. I know that's harder than it sounds. Second, God, Jesus teaches us that generosity counters covetousness. Sell that ye have and give alms, he says. Instead of seeking to have more, seek to give more. Be rich in good works, St. Paul says. That is how we are rich toward God, being rich in good works, giving away what we have been given. Your money doesn't belong to you anyway. God has given it to you for the sake of others, along with everything that you have received. It's not for you, it's for others. Finally, our Lord would have us redirect our covetousness, our desire for more, into a desire for the Lord himself. If covetousness is an unbounded desire to have more, then finite things will never fill its gaping mouth. Only the infinite can satisfy such an infinite desire. Only the Lord can match and exceed all that we desire. Open your mouth wide, the Lord says to the psalmist, and I will fill it. It means not that we should just look to him for good things, but that he himself will be what fills our gaping mouth. He himself is the end of all our desire. St. Augustine says, if we are greedy, we should be greedy for eternal life. Yearn for the life that has no end, he says. That is where our greed should stretch. Do you covet endless money, he asks, then desire eternal, endless life. Do you hope for possessions unlimited? Then seek eternal life. God grant that he might stretch our desire in such a way that we might desire nothing more than the Lord himself. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.